Hey, good morning. Thank you for uh, joining us uh, this morning online. Uh, this is February the 14th, 2021, and we are gathered this morning due to some weather conditions and uh, poor uh, travel um, conditions as we made this decision uh, last night around 4 p.m. to uh, do our online uh, service. You know, in no way does online service help us or, or in the same way um, as it does when the church actually gathers together. But nevertheless, uh, I am thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ and to God that we have the technology that allows us to do this in this way so that we can um, at least uh, hear from God's word while we are separate. This will sort of electronically unite us. We had planned on um, beginning our study in the Gospel of John uh, for this Sunday, but instead what we'll do here is we will move that forward to the next week. Lord willing, we will uh, begin our study in the Gospel of John. Uh, for today, for this morning, we're going to take a brief look at a New Testament letter and one that was written from Paul to Philemon. So what we'll do this morning is we will read the passage, we'll pray, uh, then we'll make some applications together. So our message this morning is going to come from Philemon, uh, verses 8 through 22. Um, you will find this letter uh, just before the book of Hebrews. Our message this morning is going to be entitled, One Master. So let us read the word and then we will uh, pray. Philemon, beginning in verse 8. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, it perhaps, is why he parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me. I am hoping that through your prayers, I will graciously be given to you. This is the word of God for us this morning. And Father God, we do uh, thank you for the fellowship that we have in Christ and with each other. We ask your guidance and help as we desire to serve each other in a way that pleases and serves you. We confess that sometimes our best efforts are only self-serving, Lord. So we ask, Lord, this morning that you would help us to serve Christ as our only master, and as we do so with each other, that we would point one another to the master, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. 
So Philemon here is a letter addressed to his friend uh, who is a fellow servant in Christ. It is to Philemon. He is a wealthy slave owner. And Paul is writing this uh, letter pleading the cause of another brother, of his brother Onesimus. Uh, he is a friend of Paul. He's a, a fellow servant uh, with Paul, as well as he was a former slave to Philemon. Onesimus had left Philemon for some reason, and now uh, there's this debt uh, that is owed to Philemon from Onesimus. So there are five things that I'm going to uh, try to get us to look at and, and to note this morning uh, from our text. Number one, love does what is right in the Lord. Number two, sin is the common master of all, rich or poor, who are outside of Christ. Service to Christ comes by transformation and not by obligation. Number four, Christian fellowship counts a person's worth in Christ, not by their past mistakes or by their current uh, social status. Christians sacrifice themselves, number five, and their comfort for the sake and honor of others and for the sake and honor of Jesus Christ. So first, let us look at love does what is right in the Lord. I want to look at verses 8 through 12 uh, with you, uh, and I'll read those again. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I would prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. Wow. So I read more than the first uh, 8 through 12. But as we look at this, Paul uh, sends Onesimus back to his earthly master. Paul appeals to Philemon based on Christian love to receive Onesimus back. Paul is sending him back now as a brother in Christ. He is now different than he was before. Uh, notice that Paul says in verse 11 that formerly he was useless. He was useless in the sense that uh, Philemon was a servant of Christ and a partner with Paul in the gospel. Formerly, Onesimus was useless to that purpose, to useless to the service of the master. But now that he has been transformed, Onesimus is of great service, he says, and will be of great service to you in your ministry to Christ. We should note that although Onesimus is a new creation, in love for both of them, in love for both Philemon and Onesimus, Paul does not release Onesimus from his obligation to Philemon, nor does he release Philemon from his earthly obligations. Paul loves them both, and he wants them and explains to them and also does in himself what is right in the Lord. See, our position in Christ does not negate our worldly obligations, even to our worldly masters. Paul would do both men a great disservice if he let either of them shirk their responsibility to each other in the service of Christ, which is why in verse 9 he says, I appeal to you for love's sake. I could command this of you and make you do it because that would be a right right of me to tell you to obey. But I appeal to you by the love of Christ that 
for love's sake, do this. You see, when we've wronged someone, even though uh, the other has forgiven us, it is still on us to do what is right by them in the Lord. We're responsible to do what's right in the Lord, uh, even at great cost. Point number two is that sin is the common master of all. Uh, either whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you're slave or whether you're free. See, he says, I appeal to you, an old man and now a prisoner for Christ. So he's talking about himself, right? He's a prisoner for Christ. I appeal to you, my child, whose father I became in my imprisonment. So he's talking about, Paul's talking about his own imprisonment to Christ and for the sake of the gospel, he is now imprisoned. And what he says to him there is for them to recognize that Paul is an old man and now and also a prisoner of Christ, as is Onesimus, as is uh, Philemon, because they are all now slaves to Christ. Paul reminds Philemon that Paul, a prisoner for Christ, is now a slave to Christ, as are his brothers, right? And in verse 19, Paul reminds Philemon that he was once a slave to sin too. And had it not been for his own proclamation of the gospel to Philemon, Philemon would uh, still be enslaved to sin. When you look at verse 19, it says that you owe me even yourself, which is what he's saying is that I was the one who brought the saving gospel to you, right? So what I'm asking of you, uh, yeah, you owe that even to me. You owe me an indebtedness for having brought the gospel to you, right? So he's kind of getting, trying to put the uh, level of playing field here. Onesimus, Philemon, Paul, and me, and you, and whoever we are, uh, whether we're rich or poor, whether we're free or a slave, we were all at one point in bondage to sin. We served sin as our master. But now, in Christ Jesus, we are no longer slaves to sin, whether we're rich or poor, whether we're a slave or free, but we are bondservants. We are willing slaves to Christ and obligated by the gospel to live according to Christ, to receive one another as Christ has received us. This is Paul's appeal here. Receive him in Christ as Christ has received you, right? And I would appeal to you to do this by obligation, but I really want to appeal to you that if the love of Christ dwells in you, then you will indeed love as Christ loved and receive this brother back to you. So outside of Christ, remember that we all serve that one same master, sin. But in Christ, we all serve the same master. We all serve one master, and that one master is Jesus Christ. Back in the late 70s, Bob Dylan wrote a song that said this, you're going to have to serve somebody. It might be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. We are either slaves to sin, which leads us to death, or we are slaves to Christ, which leads us to eternal life. Number three, service to Christ comes by transformation and not by obligation. 
As we look at verse 14, he says, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. So again, it's, it's emphasizing what he said at the beginning is that I could make you do, I could command this and that you should do it just because that's what's required of you. And he says, I'm sending him to you uh, and I wanted to do so with your consent so that you do this out of the goodness, out of the goodness that God has, has done towards you and out of the overflow of that goodness that it would not be by compulsion, but it would be of your own accord to be because you have been transformed in Christ and therefore now you live in a new way and you love in a new way. Uh, and I want you to, ex ex by example and by obedience and by faith, to do this towards this brother, Onesimus, right? So this service to Christ comes by transformation, not by obligation. With Christ as our common master, Christians do what is right in the Lord, in our worldly obligations, in our service to each other, in our obedience to God. But we do so not out of compulsion, but we do so out of our own accord. See, Christians by grace through faith have been transformed from death to life, from darkness to light, and we are able to do that which we once could not. Christians have been transformed, you see. Obedience to God, pleasing God, uh, loving others is now possible because of God's grace, because of our, of our union with Jesus Christ himself. By the transforming work of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can now do that which we could not do before. Point four, uh, Christian fellowship counts a person's worth in Christ, not by their past mistakes, nor by their current social status. Let us look at verses 11 and verse uh, 16. In verse 11, it says, Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. In verse 16, he's no longer as a bondservant, but, but more than that, more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. How much more to you? Both in the flesh and in the Lord. So he's pointing out that that Christian fellowship and, and as a bro brother in Christ, Philemon, I want you to receive Onesimus, not only for his earthly role and his earthly duty, that and much more. Now receive him as a brother, as he has been transformed. I want you to count Onesimus' worth as the worth that Christ has imparted to him through salvation. He's worthy in Christ. He has been transformed. He's a new creation. He's a new person. He is in Christ. And Christ had counted him worthy enough to die for him, to lay down his life for Onesimus. And therefore, Onesimus has infinite value and worth. You see, it is, it is Onesimus that is in Christ, and him in Christ is what gives him worth, Philemon, Paul would say. Do not see him for his debt or count him for his previous sinful state. Who he is in Christ is what matters now, Philemon. In Christ, he is more than uh, what his duty is to you, what his obligations are to you. He's your brother. You see, he's saying Christ has united him to himself, and now you are united and connected in, in union with one another as brothers, regardless of your social differences, regardless of your status or position, you are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. So when we gather as a church, you know, one of the things that is noticeable 
is that um, we often spend most of our time and energy with people that are most like us. It's sort of the natural way that we tend to gravitate towards people that are most like us in, in our worldly sense, most, most like us in, in how we live in the world and um, you know, uh, our, uh, whether we have family or not, uh, what kind of occupational backgrounds uh, we have come from, sort of financial backgrounds and stuff. We tend to gravitate towards those who are uh, most like us and we spend most of our time and energy with those who are most like us in the fleshy sort of sense. But the Word teaches us that we should no longer regard uh, Christ according to the flesh, and therefore we should not regard one another according to the flesh anymore, but that we should regard one another according to the worth of Christ's death for that sinner. And uh, that would be those that are most unlike us, as well as those that are like us. Those that are unlike us in the world or those are also those to whom we have been united in Christ, and he has called them infinitely worthy. And so what Paul is getting across to him is that as a Christian man, Onesimus, count, I mean Philemon, count Onesimus' worth as who he is in Christ Jesus. Not by his debt that he owed, not by his position that is lower than yours in status in society, but view him, understand him, count him as a person worthy of Christ Jesus. And then you can receive him back in love. And finally, point five is Christians sacrifice themselves and their comfort for the sake and honor of others and for the sake and honor of Christ. What I'd like to emphasize to you is that, especially verses 17 and 18, but um, and beyond that, that, but 17 and 18 specifically, this is the heart of Paul's letter to Philemon. This is Paul's example. This is Paul's teaching to Philemon uh, regarding Onesimus and the heart and teaching of what it should be in our church as it concerns what Christian fellowship and Christian love looks like by example. So let us uh, read uh, verses 17 uh, through 20 once again. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me even yourself. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. So, Again, this is the heart of the letter. This is the heart of Christ. This is the heart of Christian love. This is the heart of what fellowship, uh, real koinonia fellowship looks like um, as we gather in the church. Paul says to Philemon, you know, I know this. I know that you love me and I know that you have been my partner in the gospel. So when I send Onesimus to you, Receive him as if you were receiving me. If he owes you anything at all, I will repay it. If he has wronged you, then count that wrong against me. What an example of what Paul has taught to the Romans concerning outdoing one another and showing honor to one another. If it costs you something, 
If it costs something, Philemon, for Onesimus to be reconciled to you, Paul says, then I will pay it. I will sacrifice my rights for him. Even though you really owe me in the Lord, and you owe your position in the Lord on account of me, Paul says, even though uh, I have right to command it by my merely my position as an apostle, right? Paul, as an apostle, you know, could have just commanded him to do this. And he says, but in love, I want you to do this not out of compulsion, but out of the transforming work of Christ in you. I want you to receive him. So if he, if he owes you anything, I'm going to lay down my right as an apostle to tell you to do this. I'm laying down my rights for Onesimus. I'm willing to sacrifice whatever it takes that you and he might be reconciled because that is what is right in the Lord. And then one of the uh, great verses I think in this passage is, yes, brother, refresh my heart in Christ. Refresh my, my heart in Christ. I want some benefit from you and the Lord, and this is what I want. I want you to refresh my heart in Christ. Refresh my heart in Christ by being like-minded with me. Refresh my faith in the transforming work of Christ by obeying the Lord for Onesimus' benefit. I want to see the transforming work of Christ in your life, and that will refresh my heart. That will refresh my confidence in the gospel. You see, this is really a great example of what it means to love one another. It is refreshing for me, and I'm sure it's refreshing for you to see brothers and sisters sacrifice and care for one another. But more than that, when we see that and we see sacrifice and we see a person who says, you know, I'm not going to act according to the authority that's been given to me for my position uh, in, in my leadership of you or uh, in the fact that that Paul had a right, and so did uh, Philemon had a right uh, to command something of Onesimus. But instead, Paul says, this example, your obedience in this example, done out of love, done out of a transformed heart, out of a Christ-likeness in you, will refresh me in the Lord. It refreshes my confidence in the power of the transforming work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, let us pray. Uh, Father, we do ask for your grace to enable us to see one another's worth in Christ. Help us to live the gospel at Spring Hill Church with grace and with mercy toward one another. Father, we ask that you would give us strength to do what is right in the Lord even when it costs us our own rights, our own comfort, and Lord, it may even demand of us our very lives. So Lord, we need your strength to do what is right, to remain obedient. Lord, give us confidence in the transforming work of the gospel. Help us to live in such a way and love in such a way uh, one another that we would bring refreshing to other members of our church as they watch us love and serve impossibly by the power, impossibly in us, but possibly only made possible by the power of the transforming work of the gospel. Uh, help them, Lord, to see that as a way to refresh their hearts and refresh their confidence in the power of the gospel to not just cover sin, uh, to not just make us 
sort of obedient, but actually to make us new, that the, the gospel actually makes us new. So help us, Lord, to have that confidence that we have been made new in Jesus. We ask all of this in his name. Amen. Amen. Amen.